and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about being a better human through good habits, challenging yourself, learning from a wide range of experts, and celebrating all of the little wins along the way. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada. After 18 years of working with patients to help them take on better habits for health and wellness, as well as a year of personal monthly habit challenges, I've learned how our daily choices impact and ultimately create our lives. So I'm getting intentional about my habits and routines, and I'm hoping to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall your own best self. Today's episode is episode 136 of the Improvement Project podcast. And today I want to talk about decision fatigue, what it is, and some ways to calm it down and kick it out of your head and your life. Okay, first of all, what is decision fatigue? Well, decision fatigue is the deterioration of our ability to make good decisions after a long session of decision making. In other words, the more decisions you need to make, the worse you're going to be at weighing all of the options and making an educated and informed choice. Now, you might think of making a decision as something significant, important, like, who should I spend my life with and what's my purpose? But let's go over some examples of the decisions you make each day. Should I hit snooze? What socks should I wear today? What's for dinner? Should I send that email now or later? Should I like that post on Instagram? What route should I take to my appointment? Should I work out today? What workout should I do? Should I pick my daughter's dirty socks up off the floor or ask her to do it? How much water should I drink? I have to pee. Should I go now or wait until after this meeting? Maybe I should make my son's dentist appointment. I don't know. I'm snacky. What should I have for a snack? Are we out of snacks? Maybe I should go get groceries later. Should I pay the cable bill today? What should I watch? Maybe I should wait and watch Watch this one with my spouse, etc., etc., etc. These examples are only a tiny fraction of the thousands of decisions that you make each day. It's kind of like working on your computer and having hundreds, if not thousands, of tabs open all the time. None of them get the attention that they really deserve, and the processing speed of the whole machine slows down. I mentioned the what's for dinner decision. Researchers at Cornell University estimate we make 226.7 decisions each day on food alone. And as your level of responsibility increases, so does the multitude of choices you have to make. Some sources say that the average adult makes about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions each day. Wow. Now, that may sound ridiculous, but... Think about the fact that you've been listening to me talk for a couple of minutes now. Chances are you won't recall making any decisions at all during this short space of time. But didn't you make a quick judgment about whether or not to carry on listening after the first 10 or 15 seconds? By the way, thanks for sticking with me. Did you decide to ignore a smartphone notification or take a sip of coffee or reposition yourself or scratch your arm or suppress a yawn? Did you make a decision about whether what I'm saying sounds interesting or believable? Maybe part of your brain is thinking about a text message you need to send or a bill you need to pay or when your next meeting is. Maybe you're wondering how long this podcast will be so you can decide to listen to the whole thing or run into the grocery store and finish listening to this later. Maybe you've made a quick decision to keep listening and get back to finishing that work project later after the kids go to bed. But what if they are up later than I thought? Did the dishwasher get run this morning? Who needs laundry done or lunch money or help with homework later? Is it my husband's sister's birthday this weekend? Maybe we should decide if we're getting her a gift or doing something special for her? Phew! Does this sound familiar to you? No wonder decision fatigue is so common. 
I should also add here that even though it could be either party, in my experience working with patients over the past two decades, I have seen that it is much more common that the woman or the mom in a household becomes the organizer of stuff and calendars and food and chores. Now, this is not to say that those tasks aren't divided up equally. They may very well be. But all of the decisions relating to all of the tasks are often stored in one person's brain. And that person is often the mom who is carrying the weight of all this information. And what I have seen with my patients is that because this one person's brain is inundated with everyone's information, it's like that person's operating system is overwhelmed and becomes susceptible to breakdown somewhere. And I see it as the breakdown of the mental or the physical well-being of these managers of all the things. They are so busy focusing on holding information and making decisions for everyone around them that they put themselves to the back burner and they ignore their own needs. And on top of all of that, we are in the middle of a pandemic, which makes it extra hard to seek out all of the regular relief vents for this overwhelm like seeing your friends or going to the gym or going to the movies or getting a pedicure or a facial or having your family go somewhere else and leave you alone for a while. Just today in my practice, I asked a patient who is a busy mom if this concept of all the tabs being open and decision fatigue felt familiar. She gave a big yes. And then she told me that her brain feels foggy and that she feels like she's having memory troubles lately. Does any of this resonate for you? Are you the manager of all the things in your household? Do you store all of the information for meal planning, grocery lists, birthdays, appointments, homework, hockey practice, which day is garbage day, booking a plumber to fix that leak in the downstairs bathroom? It's likely that you are probably not doing all of the tasks by yourself, but you are holding the information and making the decisions for everyone in your household. It is a heavy psychic load. Guess what, my friend? It is wearing you out. It's making you sick and it's dimming your light. It's time to make a change. It's time to close all the tabs that are causing you all of this fatigue. It's time to delegate those decisions to others so that you can operate at your fullest, so that you can reach your potential. And ironically, this will really serve everyone in your household better anyway. So let's go back to that definition of decision fatigue. Decision fatigue is the deterioration of our ability to make good decisions after a long session of decision making. In other words, the more decisions you need to make, the worse you're going to be at weighing all the options and making an educated, informed choice. If you are nodding your head as you listen to this and thinking, wow, that's me, what can you do about it? How can you close some of those tabs which will make your whole operating system work better? Well, here are some tips to help you protect against decision fatigue. Number one, simplify the choices that you need to make throughout the day. This is where your locked in habits and routines will save you some grief. If you know that you get up at the same time every day and that your morning routine is the same each day, you just start the routine. No decisions necessary. If the routine is filled with healthy, good habits that serve you well and set you up for success, you'll be doing great things for yourself while making fewer decisions or choices. If you don't already have a morning or an evening slash bedtime routine locked in, and you feel as though you have too many tabs open, close some of them by creating a morning and an evening routine to reduce some of the decisions that may be related to those times of day. Number two, include a mindfulness practice like meditation each day. 
We have regularly discussed the benefits of mindfulness on the podcast in the past, and helping to decrease decision fatigue is one way that a regular meditation or quiet breathing practice will pay off. Increased awareness and mindfulness can help us navigate our daily maze of decisions in a more conscious way and support our concentration to stay focused on one open tab or one decision at a time. A great option that I have had good success with is the app Headspace, and you can get the first week of meditation for free. I'll put a link in the show notes. Number three, make a commitment to stop multitasking. Doing several things at once is a trick we play on ourselves, thinking we're getting more done. In reality, our productivity goes down by as much as 40%. We don't actually multitask. We switch task rapidly shifting from one thing to another, interrupting ourselves unproductively and losing time in the process. Every time you switch tasks, you must make, you guessed it, another decision. When you do this, you will be taken out of any flow that you got going when you were focusing on the one task as you decide to focus on the next thing. It decreases your productivity and is not a functional way to do things. Think about all those open computer tabs in your brain. Keeping them all open and switching back and forth is just slowing down the efficiency of the machine. You know when you're in a Zoom meeting and you decide to send a quick email or check a few text messages? Or even when you're settled in for a good solid couple of hours of work and you are constantly interrupted by phone notifications or texts or calls? No harm done, right? One study shows that people distracted by incoming email and phone calls saw a 10-point fall in their IQ. What's the impact of a 10-point drop? The same as losing a night of sleep. More than twice the effect of smoking marijuana. So, when you stop multitasking, which I think it's clear that we should all focus on trying to stop multitasking, you will be much more deeply engaged and present with the people around you. This is known as put your phone down. You will make significant progress on challenging projects, When nothing else is competing for your attention, you will be able to settle into one thing that you are working on. You will actually be able to focus and get into a flow state that will make everything feel easier and that the time is moving faster. You will experience a significant drop in stress. Each one of those switches in a task and its accompanying decision to be made will wake up your lizard brain to potential danger. If we are changing course or changing decisions, maybe there's a tiger. Hello, stress hormones. You will also gain a new appreciation for things that are the most important use of your time. When you stop trying to do all of the things all of the time, you will learn, as with most things, that 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. And then you can focus your time on that important 20%. There really is no downside to giving up multitasking. Try to increase your awareness about when you are doing it and then resolve to focus on doing one thing at a time. Close some of those tabs, my friend. All right, number four, implement a team meeting or a family meeting. So we've talked about team meetings before on the podcast. You may remember that a weekly team meeting is on my list of 21 for 2021 goals. Sitting down with John each week and making a plan for the coming week has allowed me to feel so much less stress about getting it all done. It has allowed me to lessen my psychic load by not storing anxiety-inducing information for every day of the week for both of us. The relief that this has brought me has been enormous. And 
I'm in a household with two adults and a cat. So I know how powerful this can be for a family with a bunch of kids that all have school plus activities plus a million other things that go along with a busy household. So here are some things that John and I discuss each week at our meeting, and you might find that you'll pick some of them and not others. But just to give you an example, we talk about our meals for the week. We make a plan for all of the meals, any snacks we might be having, any meals we might be eating out when that's possible, or ordering in. We make a grocery list for the week. Once the meeting is done and we have created our meal plan for the week, we head out together to get all of the groceries needed for our meal plan. We focus on any appointments that either of us has that week. Then we will know there are no surprises and we are less likely to mistakenly double book things. So some families use Google Calendar for this job of um, making sure that everybody's appointments are covered. And what that does is it sort of allows everyone to see everyone else's schedule for the whole week. So you get a sense of knowing that so-and-so's soccer practice is not going to conflict with somebody's dentist appointment or whatever it might be. Uh, John and I then go over the budget and what bills are coming out that week and who is responsible for them. Uh, We talk about chores and this might seem basic that people should just know what they are, but I just feel like managing expectations about what needs to be cleaned or organized or fixed or sorted out this week. And it could be an example of something like laundry or cleaning the bathroom or getting the tires changed on the car or some kind of garden maintenance, anything that, um, needs to be done and we need to make sure that who's on it this week and when's it going to happen, we focus on that. We talk about any expenditures that might be coming up in the following week. Uh, We think about any special occasions that might be coming up, a family member's birthday or anniversary or any get-togethers, again, when they are possible, or what we need to do to prepare for birthdays or get-togethers or any gifts we might need to buy. And it's also just a good chance for us to connect and talk through anything that hasn't come up throughout the week. So I highly recommend the weekly family meeting or team meeting. I asked some friends and patients with kids what they would include in their list for what they would cover in their family meetings when they have a much busier family than mine. So if you have kids, then here are some things that you could add. And I'm sure that you have some ideas too, and I'd love to hear them. So you want to get your kids started on being accountable for their own tasks in a way, of course, that is age appropriate. So you want to build in systems like maybe a wall calendar with everyone's appointments and tasks for the week that each family member can get into the routine of checking each day to know what they are responsible for that day, again, in an age appropriate way. And at the family meeting, when you're going over chores for the week, tasks can be delegated, appointments, extracurricular practices, games, lessons, they can all be put on the calendar. So instead of everything being stored in mom's head, Kids can look to the calendar first before they ask. They can also build some confidence knowing what to expect each day. Now, obviously, as I said, I don't have kids in my household, and these suggestions were given by people that do. So if you do have kids in your household, I would love to hear about any systems that you have put into place that have eased your decision fatigue and allowed your family chaos to be calmed. I'm sure everyone listening with kids might also like to hear more suggestions. The one thing that I'll add here is that if the idea of a family meeting is a totally new one to you and your household, know that it's not likely going to be a perfect transition from what's happening now to the serenity that you are seeking. Going back to our open-tabbed, slowed-down computer metaphor, sometimes when you do an update, there are going to be some glitches. The update obviously, is ultimately meant to lead to more efficiency, but there may be some bumps in the road as you go. So, 
Give yourself some grace and keep trying because it will free up some space in your brain to pursue your big dreams and goals with more focused attention. And it will get your family members moving in the right direction of being more confident humans that will be able to make their own decisions and take responsibility for their part in your family team. And ultimately, in the world they will head out into someday. So it's a big win-win. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. Have you been struggling with decision fatigue but didn't know what it was called? Did any of what I shared today resonate with you at all? I want to know. Send me a DM on Instagram and let me know what you're going to incorporate into your world in the next 30 days to calm the decision fatigue in your life. For questions or comments, send an email to the improvement project at drpeggymalone.com. You can always come and say hi on the socials. I'm on Instagram at drpeggymalone. And you can always get my attention by using the hashtag the improvement project. As usual, you'll find all of the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at theimprovementproject.com. If this episode was helpful at all for you, please be sure to tell a friend and share it with them. This is the number one way that new listeners find our podcast. So if you found it helpful or entertaining, pass it on. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next time, my friends, stay focused and get after it. Thank you for listening all the way to the end of this episode of The Improvement Project. Have you struggled with getting new habits to stick? You really want to follow through, but you just can't get started. Or if you get started, you can't get consistent, or you're just not sure what to do. Do any of these sound familiar to you? You might be aware that humans have been supporting each other and working together since the beginning of humans. And that, my friends, is the power of accountability. If you can harness that power, maybe you'll find that you'll be one step closer tomorrow than you are today for not only better habits and routines, but also your biggest goals and dreams. Are you with me? I got really interested in how people respond differently to accountability, and I came up with a framework of four different types of habits, personalities, and how they respond to accountability. I then put it all together in a super fun quiz that will help you to understand how to best add accountability into your life so that you are way more likely to follow through on your habits and ultimately find the way to your big dreams and goals. If you'd like to see what your habits personality is and what may be your best strategy to incorporate the power of accountability to be a better human head to drpeggymalone.com forward slash habits quiz and take the quiz for yourself. That's drpeggymalone.com forward slash habits quiz. You got this. Get after it.